Hi there, food enthusiasts. My name is Chris Rechkowski, your host again today for the Future Foodcast, where we talk with thought leaders in today's food industry and discuss the trends and technology that will shape the future of food. Very excited to be here today with Cam French from Alley Cat Brewing, one of my favorite breweries in North America. I happen to be located close to Alley Cat, which is in Edmonton, and I'm in Calgary. Welcome to the program today, Cam. Uh, thanks for having me, Chris. It's great to be here. Now, like I said, I'm excited to be interviewing you because I love your product. Um, I was wishing we would schedule this late in the afternoon so I'd have a happy hour, but I don't think a late morning beer is going to be in my <laughs> agenda today. But um, thanks again. The way we like to get started with this is learning a little bit about you, the entrepreneur and thought leader in your business. And what were you doing before you came to Alley Cat? And uh, that on is your challenge. Sure. Uh, so I guess a little bit about my background. So myself and uh, a business partner took over Alley Cat uh, February of 2020. So right before, obviously, things changed in the world as we all know it. But prior to that, uh, both myself and my business partner are accountants by trade. So we actually had a couple of different routes. We went through the business school, the accounting route, um, working at the large public uh, accounting firm downtown. Did that for a while. I ventured off into industry. I was in the engineering, road construction, oil and gas uh, industry. So I worked there for a number of years. Kind of, we, we always stayed in touch and back and forth just on different business ideas. Both of us like to, uh, like the entrepreneurial side of things and the business aspect side of things. Uh, both of us also really enjoyed craft beer too. So, um, we kind of got an introduction and a bit of a intro to the original, the original owners and founders of Alley Cat, um, Neil and LeBond Kerbs. After going back and forth with them and just a lot of discussions, uh, it kind of came clear that they were kind of getting ready to retire and look for someone local to continue on Alley Cat and continue on its long, uh, long tradition in history. So we were able to work out um, a deal with them and Zane and I became the new owners of February 2020. Well, that's a great story and um, makes a lot of people out there jealous to uh, to see you stepping into that. There's plenty of, <laughs> plenty of us that always dream about uh, starting up a microbrewery, but and, and, you know, a lot of people do take that sort of original startup path of here's an empty shell. Let's start filling it with equipment and our and our experience. What led you to an acquisition versus you know, starting up from scratch? Yeah, good question. So there's definitely a few things we looked at and considered when we went this route. The startup is there. It is a it's a very competitive market, obviously, these days with the hundred twenty plus breweries now compared to, say, five years ago. And there was a fraction of that. So that's a, that is a big factor to look at when we were doing our evaluations and looking. Alley Cat had that established name and that established presence throughout all of Alberta, as you mentioned, uh, being an empty brewery, but really one of Alberta's originals. So all across Alberta, that established presence is what we, what really drew us to this one. Just the fact that they, we have the distribution set up. We have those relationships set up. A lot of the same staff and management. We retained, we retained our staff as well. So that was great to have on. Uh, just that experience is hard to, hard to compete with starting from scratch. Yeah. So, and, and Neil himself actually stayed on as well for a year with us in the transition phase. So he stayed on as a, an advisor and mentor for another year after um, after the transaction happened. Well, that's a great start uh, and, and a great uh, path forward for you. And coming from your background, I think you take a lot of sort of additional business skills, sort of technology awareness with you into this new business. You know, I find that a lot of entrepreneurs in the food space are actually quite tech savvy. You know, oftentimes our 
jumping from one career to another and starting up a new food company, new beverage company, et cetera. What would you say are kind of some of the skills that you brought with you that are facilitating the development of Alicat based on the trends you're seeing and the, the technologies that are helping you move forward with those trends? Sure. Um, I kind of mentioned the technology side of things. We've just looking at different ways to look at our sales and our targets and our leads and how we want to go after different business. So looking at that, using different technology, using some different programs and stuff like that to analyze our where we're where our market's going and where we see the opportunity to move forward. And then also too on the back end the production side as well, just changing some of the technology that we've introduced, kind of getting more of a wholesale rather than paper and pen methods or the Excel methods, just using some of the different technology that's out there to help with our forecasting, to help with our production management, our inventory management. Having that whole system brought in and up to up to speed, I think is definitely uh definitely a big change. It's not an easy change and not a quick change. It's definitely a learning process, but it's a good process that I think having it once once we're fully implemented, I think it will be the very helpful in the future. Yeah, I want to come back to that a little bit later and looking at um, how you manage supply chain and transparency. Uh, this is a big topic in the food space today with consumers being very interested in that. As you mentioned, there's been a huge growth in the craft brewing industry in Canada. Um, and around the world, really. What do you see as the key trends in your space in the, in the upcoming years that are really pushing you to evolve and that you're probably pulling the market along with you because I know that Alleycat's been quite a, a good innovator itself. Yeah, so I guess it's always just trying to stay on top of the next thing that's out there. So obviously, lots of times you're guessing at what's out there and you're taking a bit of a risk here and there. But just to stay relevant, to stay popular. And a lot of it, like we found, especially, I guess, realistically, since COVID hit, we have found that huge push for local, which is excellent for us and all the other craft breweries around as well. It's a very good thing that even the restaurants and any sort of local shop, there is that push throughout Edmonton, throughout Alberta, throughout Canada, realistically. And what that basically means for us is that people are looking for that on the shelves. They're asking for that on the shelves. So we're seeing a lot more space being devoted to that. We're seeing a lot uh, people coming into our brewery directly, people going to our liquor store partners, our restaurant partners, wanting to see that on their shelves, wanting to see it on their taps. So just making sure we're out that we have what people are looking for. We have the newest trend or the newest style that people are looking for. And just being able to adapt and move quickly is what uh, is helping keep things relevant. Yeah, well, it's certainly a characteristic of the craft industry is, and I've heard other breweries often get a little frustrated that customers are expecting something new every week. That that can be challenging and changing your rotation fairly quickly. By the way, I'm a huge fan of your double IPA Dragon series and uh, the new ones that are coming out every time is an amazing beer. Well, we're speaking right now. We actually have a new one launching in one week from today. So, Excellent. so that'll, that'll be coming out right away. Perfect. Sounds like a good holiday beverage for myself here. So you were talking about transparency a little bit, and I said we would maybe wrap back to supply chain. And you know, not only are customers interested in transparency, but as you, I think you said, bringing in sort of new technologies for your supply chain management. First, the transparency has to be there for yourself, the business owner and leader. What are the key factors in sort of transparency in your supply chain that you're really looking for? New sort of technologies that you see coming up 
that are facilitating that for you? A lot of the things for us really is just our software that we're using. It's just tracking it. So it's, it's having all of our, our batches. So we know where everything that's going into our beer. Not that there's a lot of ingredients that go into beer. Beer is oddly enough, fairly simple to make, even though they wouldn't trust me back there making it by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, so all of our ingredients, everything down to even the cans are tracked by batch number, lot number. So we know everything going into it, where it's coming from, which batch it was used on. We track all of that as well. And anything, if, if there's ever an issue or if beer was stored improperly, not that there's anything in beer that's going to hurt you. The alcohol will keep that down at bay. But if it doesn't taste right, we definitely want to know about that as well. So if we ever have anybody, if there's anything that something comes back, it doesn't taste right, or it, who knows, it could have been, it could have a small puncture or leak in it, or it could have been oxidized or aging. Mm. So we, we have track of all of that. We also keep samples of everything and have a library as well. So knowing that information and what it is, we can go back and look at our library and test our sample compared to that to try to figure out where the issue may have lied. If it was something that happened at the brewery, if it happened in shipping, if it happened in storage at the Connect Warehouse, if it would have happened moving on to depending on which liquor store it went to. So we can kind of discussing with the consumer, the end user on that side of things, figuring out where the issues may have been on that side of things. And we, we're always more than happy to work with um, work with people. And if they have issues, we'd like to hear about it because it doesn't help our brand if there's bad alley cat beer out in the market. So we would much rather take care of that and make sure everyone's happy on that side of things for sure. Right. So it, it's certainly one thing for you to have, I would say a very deep uh, understanding and ability to trace back your product all the way to, you know, original growers of grains, hops, etc. Um, totally another thing, of course, for a consumer, they don't have access to the ERP system and they should not. We have seen across the food and beverage industry, there are some emergent, it would seem, trends that um, our companies are allowing customers effectively to look inside and see where their where the raw materials came from. For example, scanning a QR code on a package pretty well explored in the coffee space. A lot of interest in origin of raw materials in the coffee space. Do you see that being a potential, I guess, avenue for your customers to have more transparency into your product? Like that, that technology that would allow a customer to look through the can, if you will. It's potential, yeah, it would all depend on, and that's the QR code idea is neat. It might be something too that's more on the social media side of things or the web page side of things. The only reason I kind of look at that is just because you never know what beer is going to be put into what can or what ends. And depending on the way things are right now with supply chain and ordering, the volumes that you're ordering, you may not know. Yeah, it might have to be on a label side of things because mm -hmm. the label goes on the can. But if you have printed cans already, then so like I said, that that can complicate things. But there's always a way around that. Like I said, then you can just rely on the marketing, the advertising, the web page, that sort of thing to go that route as well. And just knowing who your local partners are, what's going into each one of your products. I think that's definitely something people are interested in. I could see it going that way for sure. QR code, like I said, it, that would be more dependent on how we are doing the actual, uh, like which packaging it's going into. And just with supply chain, the way it is right now, that is one of the biggest challenges we face, obviously, is the actual getting the materials to put beer into. Yeah. You know, it, and it's interesting you mentioned discussion maybe for the customer, part of the key value of a QR code interface may be going to be somewhat social media related. I, I've heard this from a number of entrepreneurs. And, you know, of course, a, a key to customers being interested in many products these days is especially sort of craft products is understanding the authenticity of that product, the authenticity 
the owners, the entrepreneurs behind it. Sometimes, you know, I see from the tech side, us tech nerds, we get excited about putting a QR code on something so we can see, you know, what three square meters of land this these hops came from, which is interesting for people, but really to get them coming back to scan again, um, I, I, my sense is that there's going to have to be a combination of that trace your product back, but also here's a cool cat video or something like that for somebody yeah. to look at when they buy the product. Yeah, something to draw you in for sure. There's always that, how to how to gain that attention and how to keep that attention as well, for sure. Exactly, exactly. Well, another area I think we're seeing you know, across the world these days in the food space and many other spaces are big questions of sustainability um, in product supply chains. And that can mean everything from how a product is grown, what materials are used to grow a product, how it's processed, how it's distributed. Is it in a bricks and mortar store or e-commerce? Alley Cat, what does sustainability mean in terms of what you're doing with your product and maybe what your customers are asking you about the product? Sure, so, that, um, so that's us just looking at where the product's coming from, how it's growing, being, making sure we're choosing uh, partners that we wanna work with on that side of things. And then in addition to it's us looking in-house as well during production. So just making sure we are following best practices. Um, we've gone through and done a number over the years, done a number of testing and reduced. So just reducing some of the inputs for like for power, for example, for water usage, for any waste or anything like that. Making sure that we are doing our part to bring that down as low as possible compared to industry standards, but not just meeting them. We want to beat those standards as well. And then even our waste is like, so the spent grains from uh, uh, brewing, those are all given to a uh, local farmer here and it's used as animal feed, for example. So that's rotated on that side of things. So just to minimize the amount of waste that we're using. One of the next things we want to look at is looking at a CO2 capture system. So there's the technology is getting better at um, on a smaller scale. So it existed prior on a larger scale for the much, much larger breweries, but it's getting better on the smaller scale as well. That way, because CO2 is one of the byproducts of producing beer. So you can actually use that, uh, capture it, and then it's used for the packaging side of it. For example, so you have to carbonate the beer, you have to use that in the packaging side. So you can actually become CO2 neutral on that side of things. So that's one of the things we are looking at on that side as well. It's something that we definitely want to explore here right away, get into that too. It, it's a bit of a process to go through and get it all set up, and get it built, but it's definitely a very a thing that we want to look forward to and move towards. Interesting. Is could you foresee that, for example, your management of water use, reducing water, CO two, you know, capture and use, if you will, is that something that could be translated into you know interesting information a consumer could find on their can? Would that be a selling point for them, in your opinion? I would think so. I, I think people are very conscious of what they're buying and having that environmental sustainability aspect. I think people definitely appreciate that and look for that. Regardless of if it's a selling point or not, I think it's something that's important for us to do one way or the other. Whether it sells more beer or not, I still think it's important for us to do. So, but yeah, I do, I do agree. With you. I think people will look for that as well. So that's an added bonus. So just trying to do the right thing, I think. Well, as we work our way along the your overall supply chain, we we started talking about you know the sort of the upstream side itself, and then we're now we're essentially talking about your manufacturing. Um, of course. It's you know, one of the most important components is the customers. What technology trends are you seeing that are that you're using to reach out to your customers and that you think are going to be increasingly important going forward over the upcoming years? Um, so 
again, on that side of it, so beer industry in Alberta is a little different as we all sell to the same user and then it's kind of distributed through there. So there's actually really only one purchaser of beer in the end and that's the um, through the AGLC side of things. So we're not, we are selling to multiple restaurants, multiple liquor stores, but there's kind of the middle person in the middle on that one. But overall, it's just getting out in front of your customers. So there's still, there's always going to be the human aspect of it. They're building the relationships, that side of things. But then in addition to that, your final end user, which is the ultimate consumer, that's just just keeping them engaged, kind of as you meant, having something interesting for them to click again a second time. How do you draw that in? And currently right now it's on the on the social media side. So it's having the fun and exciting, engaging videos, pictures, content. That side of thing right now is the biggest piece of how we are, I guess, gaining attraction, gaining followers, looking to that sort of things. Another side of it too is also partnering with some different local uh, companies as well and playing off of each other to work together. So one of our, one that we worked with quite well this summer and we're still continuing to develop that relationship, a local Edmonton company here, uh, Kuma Outdoor Gear. Fantastic in the outdoor living space and the camping space. And we've kind of worked with them and developed a beer with them that we are starting to kind of move out and push out a little more forward. Um, our Lazy Bear beer with them, just a nice, easy drinking beer. But so kind of partnering with them. So we're kind of bringing, we're engaging that camping market as well. And they're also engaging the camping market because who doesn't like a beer while sitting by the fire? Oh, I was going to say, and then, or, or another perfect example too, working with a, a beer we just released is a, a coffee porter. So we worked with a local coffee roaster here in Edmonton. So we bought all their coffee. We went over there. We were part of what they were doing. They were part of, we were doing testing back and forth and using those local ingredients that they brought in and roasted right here in house. They're just down the street, a handful of blocks away from us so and again that's just bringing in the people know their company they know our company bringing two companies together that work well is helpful for both of us yeah i think um, i'm seeing a lot of that in the companies i talk to especially the small medium-sized companies finding synergies between them and, and really becomes more of a cooperative spirit especially with you know the issues around covid and really challenging for a lot of food production distribution and, and restaurants out there exactly um, and having said that, you know, in the food space, COVID has really broken open the e-commerce side. It used to be relatively uncommon for consumers to be ordering a lot of their food online and having it delivered. You know, COVID happened and all of a sudden that's what everybody wants to do, partly because there weren't a whole lot of options when we were in lockdown. Obviously, the beer sector, the alcohol products sector has some more challenges there. But what do you see coming your product and products like yours as related to e-commerce and new ways of distributing to customers? That's a good question. So there is were some rule changes when COVID first hit very shortly after there were some rule changes and you saw a lot of breweries move to home deliveries. So a lot of breweries did go home deliveries. We were one of them as well. We set up an online shop. We had home deliveries. There are some difficulties and challenges with that. It's obviously managing the logistics side of the things, the sheer number of deliveries, having the delivery staff, delivery people on site. Near the early stages of COVID, it was a little bit easier to do. Pretty much everybody was working from home. So because part of the thing when you're delivering beer or, beer or any type of alcohol is obviously still checking the ID, checking the ages. So you're making sure you're following the, the correct rules that are set out for you. People have to be home. You can't just drop beer on the porch. That's not mm -hmm. something you're allowed. That's not something you're allowed to do. Everybody was home at the original kickoff of COVID. So that was no problem. You could check the IDs. You could do the contactless delivery. No problem on that side of things. As people kind of filter back to a hybrid work from home, there's a bit more of a challenge of actually setting up the time. It's not the, it's not the Amazon delivery or 
or the FedEx delivery guy that can just come drop it off, take a picture and say, yeah, it's there. So that does create a bit more of a challenge that you have to be there for actually delivering and however many deliveries in a day that there's that piece of it. Shipping beer across the province is an option, but again, beer is not light. So there's obviously the weight and the cost to that side of things. So we, we actually stopped doing home deliveries a while ago. And the other piece of it too, is there's a lot of liquor stores around and a lot, some of them, some of the bigger ones do deliver. There's a few delivery service apps as well that can deliver. And one of the things is too, we didn't necessarily want to continue to go that route just because we are then also competing with our direct customers as well. So, cause we are selling to the liquor stores, obviously we kind of, we kind of found that as people could go out more and do that, the home delivery side of things did drop off a little bit. People did want to go out and make those little trips here and there. They're fairly safe locations. They're, they're not high volume of people walking through the, the liquor stores or that side of thing. We kind of found that people did want to start going back to that. And we just didn't want to compete against our actual mm-hmm. and our customers there either. So, yeah, it's a, you know, it's an interesting social dynamic that happens here in business dynamic. And again, whether it's, you know, the tech people or the sort of the business process people is, oh, great, now we can do home delivery. But I think you bring up some interesting points uh, on two sides. One, sure, you can do home delivery, but you know, the logistics of getting it there is a bit of a challenge. But then you are potentially also upsetting, you know, your key customers, which are liquor stores. Uh, how do you see this evolving over the next three years? Say, let's say, COVID continues to be managed and we learn how to live with that situation. We still go out and do stuff. Would you see home delivery in terms of food and alcohol reducing or do you see that still continuing to be a, a high percentage? I, I don't think I see the food one. I could, I still see people ordering in and doing that side of things, hopefully supporting their local restaurants on that side of it. Home beer delivery, there's going to be some market for it always. I think that will stay. I don't know how big it will be for individual breweries to do. Just because like I said, the liquor stores, if they can deliver as well, or if there's delivery services, that way you can order multiple different breweries and you're getting it from one location. It's probably easier to go to the liquor store or the delivery app route. Um, the only thing that maybe could change in the, this again, depending on um, this would be on provincial and federal liquor rules is if you can start shipping beer across different provincial borders and that side mm-hmm. of things. So, so there could be that development there just because every province has their own rules and regulations on what can and can't be shipped and sold where depending on what's listed. So that's a more complicated issue to try to address and move forward on. But I think that would definitely be an interesting one to go that route if you could ship beer across the country easily enough, then that would be something that we would, that'd be very interesting to look at, I think. Interesting. Well, as I think I'm a fair representative individual of your avid consumer base here in Alberta um, and being in that consumer base, um, what should I be looking forward to? What should we as, cons- you know, as your customers be looking forward to in the next two, three years out of sort of the innovations from Alley Cat, both in your products and, you know, even potentially branching out or in, you know, ways that we're going to be able to interact with Alley Cat through technologies or other, you know, everything else you're thinking of. Yeah, I think kind of just some of the things you've alluded to, just some of the online interactions that we're able to do just to engage our customers and engage our followers on just learning more about Alley Cat, learning more about our product, um, where to where to find it, what offerings, and also too, to give input to to some of our customers and what would you guys like to see and 
there's always that market research that's important to us on that side of it too, because if we're not creating a product that people want, then it's irrelevant. So I, I like to hear from people and kind of know what people what people want on that side of it. In terms of the actual different products and offerings and that side of things, we're always looking to innovate and try new things. So pushing the envelope on the number of beers, the types of beers, the style of beer, potentially looking beyond as well. There's nothing to say that we that we're stuck in just that side of things. So. There could be stuff coming down in the future that uh, deviates slightly from where we're at. But that being said, the uh, beer is obviously our core market. So we want to keep keep coming on with what's out there and uh, just having all those different offerings. I think we'll always have our our core main beers. Apricot's not going anywhere anytime fast, but just to have those different things out there that people like, like you said, they, people would love a beer every week if they could. The mm-hmm. logistics the logistics behind that obviously is incredibly difficult just with space and the availability and labor side of it, but, and the sheer amount of time that beer takes to from production to packaging, but we'll always continue to try to push the limits. And that's something we've definitely tried over the last year is to increase just the, the variety that we've put out. Excellent. You mentioned another word that we haven't touched on yet in, in packaging, and this is you know, really been a key challenge, I think, for a lot of companies over the last year with supply chain side, but it's also been important topic in terms of sustainability and companies choosing different types of packaging, different ways of packaging, even with the same type of materials. And we, I think we all certainly know there is a one standard form factor that is proven to work very, very well for beer. Um, but what do you see as both your challenges on the packaging side, maybe due to supply chain issues, but also what might be changing in general for the sector or even maybe specifically for you, for your products um, as we look forward over the next five years? Yeah, so I think like you kind of alluded to, packaging is currently fairly bottles, cans and kegs right now. Obviously, some sort of container or vessel to hold the beer is the most important piece of it. The bottle side, we've definitely seen a drop off across pretty much well the province and the country on the bottle side. There's not not that many of those out there anymore. The cans are easily recyclable. They are smaller, lighter, I guess, more desirable currently. That being said, like you said, the supply chain side of it, COVID was the biggest factor to start off with when restaurants and bars and everything were hit very, very hard. The, the keg side of it basically dropped completely off the map, every brewery out there. So then there was that huge transition and the quick snap into, okay, we need to put more beer into cans which that was an issue with um, can there's only so many can producers out there there's only so much of an aluminum supply out there so there was a real strain on that side of things so ensuring that you had the inventory of cans to actually be able to fill and have on the shelves and available to your customers was the biggest piece for sure that's been a hurdle on that side of it and still an ongoing one just there is like covid still with us it hasn't gone away yet so there is still that need for increased packaging over over kegs right now will it get back to that I hope so. I do want to see it go back to more of this original split, but that being said, nobody has any sort of timeline on that, I don't think. So there's still going to be that demand in that side of it. In terms of looking at the the more sustainable side of it, that's a, there's always that conversation. How do you then present that to the consumer? There's obviously the six-pack ring holders, there's the pack text, there's cardboard, you name it on that side of it. So I think it's just making sure that you're doing your due diligence on what is... Um, 
Are you using recycled material as your inputs? Uh, can the material be recycled, photodegradable, biodegradable, that sort of thing, just to make sure we're fully doing our part on that side of it, on how we can help mm. on the environmental sustainable side as well. Excellent. Well, if you ever get to home delivery of mini kegs, I'll be your test customer for that. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> we, we definitely did that for a little while during the COVID side. So we did include kegs on our uh, on our home delivery. So we were delivering absolutely anything that we had here at the brewery, we were delivering that for a Wow. Well, I don't know if I could uh, manage a whole keg, but um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do with form factors for mini kegs. <laughs> anyway, now it's been a great discussion with you today, Cam. It's really exciting to see you and your business partner taking the helm of Alley Cat, an amazing brewery here in Alberta, bringing new technology into the company um, and bringing a lot of ideas that are carrying forward, not only the technology side, the core product, but also sustainability with it. Um, thank you very much for talking to us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was, a, it was my pleasure and happy anytime to answer questions or just be a part of it. So thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to coming up and visiting your uh, facility uh, sometime. I haven't made it up there yet, but it's definitely on my list. Perfect. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you out. All right. Thank you. And once again, we were here with Alley Cat Brewing and Cam French. It's a great product and I encourage anybody that can get their hands on it, definitely try it. And if you find the, the Dragon series, snap those up as quick as you can. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 